Pushkin. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. This is Talk Easy. I'm Sam Fracoso. Welcome to the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this very special bonus episode on Talk Easy. We don't do that many bonus episodes, but... I want to do some housekeeping here at the top. From now through November, we will be dropping a fair share of these bonus episodes midweek on a Wednesday. Next Wednesday, we have photographer Tyler Mitchell. In September, we have actress Carrie Coon and writer Antoine Sargent. A lot more will be dropping. Usually, we drop these every Sunday morning for those of you new to the show. But we wanted to expand our horizons a little bit on this podcast and sit with people who are especially interested in one field or discipline. In this case, I'm really excited to have on today Leah Remini. She is a wonderful actress, but recently she's done a kind of pivot. She has this new podcast called Scientology Fair Game. If that sounds vaguely familiar, You've probably heard of her television show called Leah Remini, Scientology and the Aftermath. It ran on A&E for three years, but Leah's not quite done with this subject. She was a former Scientologist for 35 years. She not only knows the members of this program, she was a member of this program. Her podcast, co-hosted by former Scientologist Mike Rinder, seeks to expose 
the hypocrisies of this institution, to get behind the facade and reveal the terrible truth about Scientology. As someone who has a very slight understanding of Scientology, I had a lot of questions for her. How do you stay in something like this for so long? What are their methods of indoctrination? But most importantly, and we get into this at the end, so please stick around, I wanted to know about the human toll that being part of a cult takes on you. How it affects their spirit. How it affects how they move through the world once they do decide to leave this cult. These are large and difficult and painful questions. And I thank Leah for coming on this show to try to answer them. So much love to her and the work that she is doing. If you need a new podcast, Scientology Fair Game is the name of her new show. It is honest and it is doing very real and serious good work. I deeply respect both Leah and Mike Rinder for doing the work that they're doing right now. So, thank you for being here for this bonus episode. I hope you like it. I'll see you back here on Sunday. Until then, here is Leah Remini. Leah Remini. Yes. How are we doing? Good. How are you, honey? I just uh, listened to a few episodes of your podcast. How'd we do? I think you're getting better. Okay, good. Good. Yeah, it takes a minute. I mean, I've been doing it for four years. I'm still figuring it out. Right. (laughs) But I thought as a performer, I thought, wow, you guys are really getting better in a very short amount of time. Yes, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm trying. I'm, I'm learning not to cut Mike off when he talks, but a lot of times, like, us ex-Scientologists or people who come from cults usually, because, you know, Scientology has its own nomenclature. Mm-hmm. When you're talking to other people who are coming from that world, you get a little bit more comfortable and you start using the same jargon. And so I often have to say, what, wait, what is that? Even though I know what it is, but I just, I, you know, he, somebody tweeted me saying, stop cutting him off. So I'm learning. <laughs> well, I have a lot of questions for you because I don't, Please. Understand this world. Okay. Why don't we start from the beginning? Sure. Which is, why do you feel like you need to make this show right now? Well, a few reasons. I was in Scientology and promoted Scientology for 35 years. I got in as a child and believed wholeheartedly, as Scientologists do, that we were doing the right thing, that we were saving mankind, that Scientology is the only answer. You know, when I first saw kind of the cracks was six years actually prior to my leaving. I was trying to stay in, really, for the six years. You know, it's almost like when you're in a horrible relationship and you're like, please make this untrue. Mm -hmm. Tell me something. Show me something. That makes me want to stay. So I was trying to do that for six years. When I finally... Trying to convince yourself. Yeah. But going into Scientology and saying... Things that Scientologists believe that we're not allowed to look on the internet or read books or read anything that is the truth about Scientology. So we're kind of trained to avoid those things. But I was looking and I started to say that I was looking. For that, I was punished for 
saying something about Tom Cruise, I was punished by my church. And, and by the way, at the cost of the parishioner, so this is thousands of dollars to be interrogated on their lie detector simply for asking questions. And I was like, this can't be what we're doing. We cannot be punishing people for following L. Ron Hubbard's policy, no matter who it is, whether it's Tom Cruise or David Miscavige. We, as Scientologists, per the staple of Scientology, are supposed to question when we think the technology is not being applied correctly. And I'm seeing that it's not being applied correctly and that we are breaking the rules for celebrity and we are breaking the rules because David Miscavige is breaking the rules. And so I was asking those kinds of questions. And then allegations came out about uh, executives being abused Mm -hmm. at the gold base in Riverside County. And I was asking about that and where Shelley Miscavige is the leader's wife, Mm -hmm. who has not been seen in public for, I don't know, now 12, 13 years. And for these questions, I was being punished. So that is what ultimately, collectively, made me make my decision to depart. But then subsequently, did I find out so much more. Once you left. Yes. And still today. I mean, still today, Scientology shocks the shit out of me. Like, they won't go that low, and then they do. Oh, they won't do that, and then they do. And it is because of that and because of the victims, the brave victims and survivors of of horrific Scientology abuses that I decided that we need to continue, not only with the aftermath, with Troublemaker and the aftermath, but now our podcast. The, oh, they can't get any worse than this idea. Mm -hmm. They really feel like the Donald Trumps of cults. Like, it just keeps getting worse. There is no bottom. There is no bottom. And they will continue to do it until their tax exemption is revoked. Because, listen, Mm -hmm. just to give you an example, one guy left Scientology. One guy who had secrets. They had this guy followed for a year at the cost of $10 million. $10 million. This is not the purpose of tax exemption that is given to churches, right? Most churches, most real churches... They have a benefit to the public, right? That's why they get that tax exemption. So they give that money, the money that they're not paying in taxes, they're providing in services to the community. They're feeding the homeless. They're giving shelter to the homeless. They open their doors to anyone. Uh, services are free. You can go into any real church and no one's checking you at the door. Are you Catholic? Do you have your own rosary? You can go in and just sit and pray. It doesn't cost you anything. No one's asking you has anybody talked shit about the Catholic Church to you? Has Have you read anything that's anti-Catholic? Priests are not showing up to your job, writing letters to your advertisers. They're not calling you a religious bigot, putting up hate websites. Okay? So there is no other church who also has a dedicated department to go after those speaking out against it, which Scientology does. Mm-hmm. It has its own department. And policies and directives that we talk about on Fair Game, called Fair Game directives, that call for the utter destruction of a person speaking out against Scientology. So who's talking about it? We are. We have to. I have to continue. And listen, if you know me, like if you ask me tomorrow, hey, Leah, can you, like you, before we started, you said I love your background, whatever. If you call me tomorrow, and anybody who knows me knows this is true. If you call me tomorrow and said, Lee, could you do me a favor? I want you to redo my background. I do a podcast. I want it to be, I would be all over that 
house, apartment, that oh, just because you asked for my help. And I don't give up. I just don't give up. I'm not a person who gives up easily. And so I get involved. If, if somebody needs me and asks me to help, I'm going to help. I'm going to do everything in my power to help. I think for the sake of context, for people listening, it's important to understand before you left the church, how you become part of it. You've described yourself as a child who would always be getting into other people's business. Sure. In 1984 is when you really start being part of Scientology, correct? Mm -hmm. So you're working part-time jobs at Scientology-run businesses. I think there's underage. There's the underage. I think they're restaurants. Mm -hmm. I worked at a telemarketer. I worked at a graphic arts company. Worked at a restaurant, and I worked at an insurance company, all owned by Scientologists. Your mother was by herself at this point, raising you and your sister. Sort of, yeah. What I'm curious about is, is there a pattern of the kind of people they profile to become members of Scientology? There's different categories. My mom was a single mom when she met my stepfather, who they both got into Scientology at the same time. They were, my mother was growing up in the 70s. She didn't have an education. Her parents died at an early age. My mother had her first baby at 18. Like I said, she had no life skills. She had no education. And so when she met, my father left her with two kids. We were on welfare. And my mother then met my stepfather, who then got her into Scientology. And for somebody like that, right, who doesn't, see the value in themselves, being raised with no parents. Mm. And also, you could be raised with parents and still have very low self-esteem and think you're worth nothing and see no value. And raising your family is probably the most noble job she had, right? But to see yourself as like, what am I doing for the planet? What am I doing for the world? Where, how am I leaving my mark? And you you know, you get involved in a cult who love bomb you, who say you're an amazing spirit, you've lived before, you, we have an important mission that's to clear the planet, you are part of the elite, you are part of the small percentage of able beings on the planet who's going to do something about it. And Vicky, you are, you, you're better than a doctor. You're better than a psychologist. You're better. You could do more work than any of these people collectively put together for mankind. That makes you feel important. You're on an important mission. And this is, a, this is how cults run. Also, this is how people recruit. You are part of the elite. You have a bigger mission. Most people won't understand this, but because you are far superior than any humanoid, you know, like this is the way cults recruit and run. Your pitch was pretty compelling there. Yeah, right? I'm, I was, I'm a little uneasy. You're, you're intrigued now. Now you want to go pick up a Dianetics book? No, I, I, <laughs> I, unfortunately, that Catholicism didn't work on me. That's not going to work. Okay. <laughs> and also they are anti-religion, right? They also sell that. So that would have been an in for them. <laughs> That you just said that, right? They'd go, right, you see, we don't believe in, mm -hmm. in religion either. We just wink, wink, tell people you could be Catholic and you could be Christian and a Scientologist. Now, interesting point about that. Part of the prerequisites to be considered for tax exemption, you have to believe in only what you believe in. 
So you can't be just kind of like a self-help organization running around going, yeah, we believe a little bit in Buddhism, Judaism, you know, we believe a little of this or a little, and we just, you know, whatever, whatever, right? I like this character with all the voices. Yeah, that was like my Italian guy, and I'm like shrugging, <laughs> and I'm like doing a whole bit. Only you can see me. They can hear the shrug through the headphones. They can hear it. Good, good, good. So they had to tell the IRS that they do not believe in anything but Scientology. But yet, they use that as a sales pitch to get people in. You could be a Christian Scientologist, you could be a Catholic Scientologist, you could be a Muslim, and they've said this on their websites. I mean, certainly the IRS should be looking at that going, wait a minute, because you're not allowed to be anything but a Scientologist for your tax exemption. Mm -hmm. Because you said you believe in only Scientology, which makes you your own religion. Which, again, I don't give a shit what you believe in. You could believe in Scientology all day, all night. I'm not challenging that they want to call themselves a religion. But you shouldn't have tax exemption because you provide no benefit to the public and you misappropriate funds that you were given from the IRS to harass and stalk people. You explore some of this on your podcast, but yeah, this question of someone overseeing Scientology, someone doing their due diligence and checking on them, like the IRS. We don't have that here. I mean, we just don't seem to have we don't. an organization or a group that's equipped to handle the machinations of Scientology. Correct. Well, look, the IRS knows that they didn't deserve tax exemption, and you can find these records online. But the criminal investigation department of the IRS, who were investigating Scientology at the time, said to their boss, the IRS commissioner at the time, after their investigation, they found that Scientology should not receive tax exemption because they are, at the time, they were being fair game. They were being followed by Scientology and PIs and harassed. Mm -hmm. And because of the pressure that David Miscavige, and including Mike, he was on this team, <laughs> Mike Rinder, he folded. The commissioner folded. So they did not, they were not finding that Scientology was eligible for tax exemption. But they applied the right amount of pressure. Correct. You know, you're working in the late 80s, early 90s as an actress. Mm -hmm. And of this time, you said, I'd be running around Los Angeles saying, I have the answers. Mm -hmm. I need to get this show because I need to talk about mm -hmm. Scientology. It wasn't, I need to get this job because I want to be an artist or an act it's right. was in service of Scientology, mm -hmm. which I think is an important distinction for people to understand how someone could arrive so full heartedly in defense of Scientology. I mean, I was raised in it. I was raised to believe what I was doing was important work. And I believed that I had to do something more than just be a celebrity because what was the point of that if I wasn't helping people? Scientology is your primary caretaker. So when I had sex for the first time, I was sent to Scientology to talk to them about it and what I did. What do you mean? Meaning they're your parent. They are your primary caretaker. Your parents, your Scientology parents, are sending you to Scientology every day, two and a half hours minimum a day. So, But how did they know when you had sex? Because you would tell your Scientology parent, your parent would write an internal report on you and send it to Scientology and say... Got it. 
you know, my daughter had sex and she was drinking and, you know, handle it. And, uh, you know, there's a department called the ethics department and you are reprimanded there for being an adolescent, you know, for being a teenager, for growing up, for doing things that, you know, they claim are against their policies. And that's who's raising you. I mean, your mother or father, your Scientology parent is saying, what does L. Ron Hubbard say? And pulling out a book and then sending you to Scientology every day. And that's what Scientology children are raised in, all Scientology children. Not, I'm not talking about Sea Org members, like employees. I'm talking about actual parishioners. Mm. So to make my parents Scientology proud was my mission. I guess I have a practical question. Yeah. When you're on set with other people your age in the 90s and you're acting, yeah. as people do, they would ask questions about your life, you know, where are you going this weekend? Like, you know, Scientology has, like I said, they have drills. They teach you and drill you on how to lie. So Scientologists are professional liars. And we're drilled on that. So if somebody asks you, Leah, are you going to school? This is what you need to say. Leah, somebody, if anybody from law enforcement comes here, this is what you need to say. Mm -hmm. Leah, when you're on the set, if people ask you about this, this is what you need to say. So what's an example of that? So what do you think somebody would ask me? So you're on set. Yeah. A colleague asks, what are you doing this weekend? Or yeah, where do you go to school when you're not on set? Oh, I would say, oh, I go to a private learning place, you know, because I have auditions or whatever. But that was a lie because I wasn't going to school. I was taking Scientology courses. Or I'd say, oh, on the weekends, I just kind of like hang out, just whatever. I try not to get into too much trouble, whatever. <laughs> you got to kind of keep a good, as well, good PR in for the church because if I knew a Scientologist would be on set, I'd be petrified that they would write a report on me if they heard me getting upset with somebody or being things, doing things that were unbecoming of a Scientologist. Because, and by the way, that's not because they believe in being in good people. They only believe in appearing as a good person. So it's about the PR of the church. Uh-huh. Because we were quite abusive to each other behind the scenes and quite used to receiving abuse from each other. So all of these things put together, you know, it's kind of an alternate personality that you're putting forth. But when King of Queens happens, mm-hmm. I have to imagine your orbit progressively throughout your career just keeps expanding, mm-hmm. right? There's more and more people around. No. No. Mm-mm. It's less. It's more and more Scientologists are put in your organization and in your inner circle to protect you from getting too far away from the organization. So Celebrity Center here in L.A., they would help me to have assistance, and they would have Scientologists around the celebrity. So they'd staff you with people Mm -hmm. to fill your orbit. Correct. You talked about that on an episode, and and especially in someone like Tom Cruise or John Travolta. Yes. Yeah. Is that why it's so hard to penetrate those bubbles? Yeah, because I'll give you a real example. I had one girl who was part of my extended family because she was the sister of my, you know, my sister married her brother. Okay. 
And I knew this girl since I was very young in Scientology, and they recommended that this person come work for me. Um, so she came to work for me, and we had an outside lawyer. We had a non-Scientology lawyer. I had always had this lawyer, right? At one point, I started to question the things that they wanted me to sign without reading it. So I said one day when I went in, they were like, sign here, sign here, sign here. These are the enrollment forms. And the enrollment forms say in there, you ever step outside of our codes and we're going to put all your shit out there in public. I mean, I've never read that. I've never seen because they don't let you read it. Mm -hmm. When you're in the sales department of Scientology being forced to sign up for the next service, after you pay, they say you have to sign these papers. Well, what does it say here? Oh, this just says, you know, blah, 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 sign here, sign here, initial here. And you're like, oh, okay. I said in one of those things uh, towards the end, I'm just going to go ahead and take this. And she grabbed it out of my hand before I even said and the rest of my sentence. I said, well, Kathy, I just want to have it looked at because my lawyer is saying now I should just really kind of know what I'm reading because I've gotten screwed over by a lot of agents and managers. And I trusted them. Another one was an, a Scientology manager who took money from me because I didn't read the paperwork. Because he's like, I'm a Scientologist. You're a Scientologist. We don't sue each other. We're not allowed to sue each other, right? So I said, listen, I, my lawyer wants to, okay, so this person who worked for me, her name was Melinda, she said and suggested that this person get fired, that he would even suggest such a thing. Mm. And that's what happens is the pressure becomes from the group of this guy's a wog, which is what we call non-Scientologists, which is a derogatory term, by the way, that all Scientologists use against non-Scientologists. This is a wog attorney. This is a wog lawyer and obviously an enemy to our church, so we should fire him. What was the breaking point for you where you thought, oh, I don't know if I'm leaving yet, but something is awry here? The last thing that happened was they were trying to get a name out of me. They knew that I was talking to a Scientology celebrity during my exit. They kept saying, who are you talking to? We want names. What websites have you gone on? What did Mike Rinder say verbatim? We want to know when you talk to this person exactly because we made a deal with her to silence her. So if it was after that date, we're going to fuck her and we're going to fuck her hard. Like they really were going after. They wanted names and dates and they were putting me in a room that was being filmed and recorded, and they were trying to get me to go on the meter. A meter you would have to pay for. A meter that I have to pay for. They, they were trying to interrogate me on this, their lie detector. That's the part that, that really rattles me as someone who's not Why? a Scientologist, is that you could be subjected to something so horrible, and then at the end of it be like, here's an invoice for you. Right. Because ultimately, at the end of that interrogation, you are left like a shell of yourself, right? Because when you admit your sin of looking on the internet or talking to an enemy of Scientology, they're like, you see, that's why you are looking to leave, because you are holding on to this little lie. And now that you confess, don't you feel so much better? We did that for you. And Scientology technology did that for you, right? So 
you you have to remember you believe in this it's when you're sitting on that meter you're you're thinking i want to be clean i want to be a better person i don't want to be considered like hitler this is what you're this is what you've read your whole life anybody who poses scientology abhors the light abhors people getting better abhors, you know and the Dillingers, they're the Nazis, they're the, these are the evil scum of the world. And you're like, I don't want to be scum. I want people to do well, I think, maybe not that person, but I mostly want people, you know what I mean? And you, you really, it really comes from a good place. But remember, you are brainwashed into believing that it's only because of your transgressions against Scientology are you looking to leave. Or looking on the internet. And I was doing all those things. I was looking on the internet. I was talking to ex-Scientologists, ex-Seorg members. I was doing my own investigation. And so in this interrogation, I said to this guy, Julian Schwartz, who's an awful human being, I said, listen, I, I am talking to other people. I'm not going to give you names. I don't need to give you names. I'm not subscribing to this bullshit anymore. And I'm going to tell you right now, if this shit is going on, if you're beating people, if you're destroying evidence, I saw that you do, people admitted to in, in affidavits that they destroyed ev evidence for this Lisa McPherson case and for the IRA. I'm looking and I'm seeing all these things and I want answers. I want fucking answers. I don't want this bullshit. Don't keep turning it around on me. I'm doing my own, and he slammed his hand down on the table. He goes, you don't do investigations. We don't. That's like screaming, carrying on. And my husband was in the room. So I got up, and he tried to physically hold me in the room because that's what they're trained to do to physically restrain you from leaving the room. Mm. I said, Angelo, Angelo, Angelo. And he heard me, and the door was opened. And Angelo came in, and I said, I'm telling you right now, we're not subscribing. You're, you guys are so used to getting away with this kind of shit on a daily basis. My husband's from the Bronx, okay? And he will fucking knock you out. Understand that. And at that point, they said, okay, they put their hands up. And then they tried to interrogate my mother. So I left that day. Then they tried to interrogate my mother. And my mother, again, was thinking, this is going to... Maybe I'll come clean with them. And I said, Mom, they only want intel. They only want to know who I'm talking to. They only want. So a couple of days she went in, and then it came. Who's Leah been talking to? Do you have access to her emails? Do you have access to her phone? They wanted to know the names of the people that I was talking to and the celebrity that I was talking to, who at the time was Lisa Marie Presley. And she said, you're right. You're right. They don't want to help us. They don't want us to know the truth. They won't allow us to look. And that was the other thing too. I go, if Scientology is what it says it is, shouldn't you let people look? Shouldn't they, shouldn't you be able to answer these questions without throwing back in our faces that we're an enemy and that we're looking and that we're, we shouldn't be looking. Shouldn't this organization be held up to some scrutiny and be able to pass the test of scrutiny? And I was seeing what they were doing to ex-members. I had no idea about these websites that they put up about people. So understand, if you're a Scientologist, you grow up in Scientology, right? And you, you're forced to go to five events a year. You have to stand up and salute for this person all your Scientology career. Then all of a sudden, they're being called fat, you know what's, on a website. I'm like, wait a minute, I saluted this person. Now Debbie Cook is a, a fat whale. Now you're calling her a 
you know what, wait a minute. She was the president of the Mecca of Scientology, and now she's bad? And so is Amy Scobie, and so is Mike Rinder, and all these former executives. They were amazing people until they left. Now you're calling them rapists, child molesters, wife beaters? I was like, there's something wrong with this. I said, what are you going to say about me when I leave? And look what they've done. They've said all kinds of things. No, they've accused Mike and I of inciting murder. They've called Mike a wife beater, a baby beater. I mean, it's just the uh, bigots, racists, the list goes on. When one Googles your name, there is a letter yeah. that comes up. It's, it's from the Church of Scientology, a statement concerning yeah. Leah Remini. It reads, she needs to move on with her life instead of pathetically exploiting her former religion, her former friends, yeah. and other celebrities for money and attention to appear relevant again. Mm-hmm. Right. Don't they wish? <laughs> it gets worse, and I'm not going to read it. Oh, you, please, you, please do. People should hear this. This is what a church is doing with tax-exempt money. Go ahead. With their tax-exempt money, mm-hmm. they uh, write, Sadly, bitterness and anger are common threads through Miss Remini's life. Miss mm-hmm. Remini is showing herself to be a spoiled, entitled diva mm-hmm. who still obsessively complains about such petty matters mm-hmm. as her seating placement, limo ride, five-star hotel accommodations, and the paparazzi's failure to recognize her nearly a decade ago. Mm-hmm. She also inserts herself uninvited into the family matters of others. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is the last line I'll read they write, rather than take responsibility for her self-inflicted problems, she is quick to blame others. Well, good. You know, I'm glad you read that because this, if anybody thought that Scientology worked, Scientology just admitted that for the 35 years we took Leah's money, the $5 million that Leah's given us, we were unable to help her. $5 million. <laughs> what kills me you know, and this is why your show's so, so painful to watch and now listen to the podcast. It's exploiting people who don't even have the means mm-hmm. to live a life on their own. Sure. Let's take my mother, for example, who is an average parishioner, right? Who works, the average parishioner of Scientology works to pay for Scientology. So they live below their means. They don't invest in anything but Scientology. They have to pay for Scientology. They usually drive a car that is just, you know, the bare necessities of life to pay for Scientology. They are all in debt. They put Scientology on credit cards. If they are lucky enough to buy a home, like my mother, she has refinanced her home several times to a point where it's, she can't retire on it to pay for Scientology and they live month to month and on credit cards to pay for Scientology. And for people like Nancy Cartwright, who was considered a Scientology whale, they're donating 10, $20 million to Scientology's front group called the International Association of Scientologists. And that's just a donation. You don't even get a book for that. Now, you take, Tony Ortega did a a whole thing on this, and so did the Scientology Money Project. They did a whole thing on Scientology whales. 
you've collectively put the money together. One, you know, here's a donation of 10 million one year, another donation of 25 million. But let me tell you this. David Miscavige, Karen Powell, the people of OSA, the Office of Special Affairs, the Sand League that's on uh, Twitter constantly attacking victims of Scientology who are speaking out, they know that the things that we are saying about Scientology is true. You know how many emails I got from my Scientology friends before I left going, yeah, Leah, that happened, but you shouldn't be talking about it publicly. It's not that they're saying that didn't happen, right? They never actually answered to any allegation. But it's that we're talking is against Scientology policy. They don't give a fuck if it's true. Mm -hmm. They don't give a fuck if somebody comes forward and says, I was molested and you fucking know it because you have it in your files. You have it in your files. They're like, yeah, but we have Scientology. We fix the child molester. We can't let that get out that, he, you know, we have a child molester amongst us or pedophiles amongst us. We, yeah, we know there's rapists amongst us, but we fix it in Scientology. You don't go report it to the police. That's, that's against our policies. Because these people believe the end justifies the means. Well, yeah, you fix the pedophile. You fix the rapist in Scientology. Can I ask you, mm -hmm. as a person, mm -hmm. on, on a human level, how you managed to rebuild yourself once you left? I don't know that I've rebuilt myself. You know, we're talking about 35 years of abuse that I became accustomed to, 35 years of being taught to be this alternate personality, that to be a liar, as Scientology taught me to be, to be abusive, to receive abuse, as Scientology taught me to receive, takes a lot of time. To, to disengage from. We've all been diagnosed with <laughs> PTSD and other things that are too smart for me to remember. And, and it made so much sense to me that you guys are learning to, you have a problem adjusting to the real world because of the way we're used to talking to each other and treating each other. That the real world doesn't work like that unless you're in an abusive relationship. And so we've had to... We're all in therapy and trying to figure it out. I'm learning a lot of things at my old age, you know, but it's it's a work in progress, my love. It's not overnight. It's, you know, I have problems daily because of my Scientology upbringing. And oftentimes I'll call a therapist and go, listen to this shit. Listen to what the fuck happened here. And I retell her the story thinking I'm 100% right because of my Scientology upbringing. And she's like, mm. Yeah, that's not, yeah, Leah, no. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, so I'm wrong? So you're saying I'm wrong? She's like, I'm not saying you're wrong. It's just that you need to learn that this is abusive, right? We need to start to learn what is you and what is Scientology. And that's been difficult to, to separate. What are those big questions that you're asking yourself these days? How did I stay in for so long, even though I was in as an adult? How could I not have seen what I see now so clearly, right? Wow, what could I have been if I had an education? It makes me want to cry, like I'm getting emotional just thinking about that, right? Like I go, what could I have been? Who could I have not hurt? Or could I have been a better mother, a better daughter, a better sister, a better aunt without Scientology? Because I was so self-important and given this kind of false identity that 
my family wasn't important. And so, you know, you look at that now and you go, could I have been so much more to these people? Did I alienate my sister who wasn't a Scientologist, who was kicked out at a very early age because she wasn't? And I wasn't close to my outside family outside of Scientology because you were taught that they're not worthy of your time. And so I have a lot of regret. Sorry, I'm also close to getting my periods. I'm probably more emotional than I would be. (laughs) You probably weren't prepared for the tears coming from me, but, you know, it's painful. It's painful to think about, you know, you think how much of my life I wasted. So I'm trying to make up for that. You asked me early on, like, why do I continue to do it? You know, I feel like I have a lot of making up to do. And it's not just with Scientology. You know, I'm trying to sell documentaries of things and exploring racism in our communities and how our system was built. It was always broken. And I thought I was doing work in this field. And I wanted to do a show about police officers. We could all see what's that this is obviously something that needs our attention, but also racism within the departments. And I wanted to I want to do so many shows about education and and communities that are often overlooked and we're putting more money into our prison systems than the education than education. And you know, I'm, I'm now looking to make up for the things that I was thought I was contributing to in Scientology, but wasn't. You have so much time. Yeah, but when I when I go to pitch these shows, let's say, right, there's a kind of a fever like passion, you know, I'm just kind of like, we got to do something about racism. We got to do something about this. We got, does anybody know what's going on in these Indian reservations? It's shit what we do. It's shit what we've done. <laughs> and because remember, you know, I had an eighth grade education because Scientology doesn't believe in education. You know, this is all new to me, right? And like my husband will come in, I'll go, do you know what we've done to the Native American? Do you know? And he's like, honey, honey, we've all learned this in grade school. <laughs> Do you know that our daughter doesn't know shit about the civil rights movement? Look at this shit homework she has. Look at this shit homework. And then I'm writing her school. God damn it. These kids don't know how to make a bed. You know, do, do they know what's going on? Do they know anything about George Floyd? Do they know anything about Rosa Parks? Do they know anything about... And there's this kind of frantic energy about it. And, um, you know, networks don't really like to deal with, like, real passionate speeches made about the shit that they're putting on TV. Or they have a vested interest in not exposing police departments because they have hit shows about them or they don't want to really dive into the the real power which is uh then the real criminals that are in suits in our in our uh senate and in our congress and in our city council people and you know they don't really want to dive into that but we want to talk about a local you know drug dealer as the real criminal no the real criminals are the ones making the laws and and keeping these communities doing what they're doing. And so, you know, when you give those type of speeches to people who have vested interest in not exposing those type of stories, and I'm not saying people haven't, people have. Mm. But these are stories that I want to tell in the way that I want to tell them. Like, no, I don't give a shit if you have a, that's your sponsor. You know, I don't give a fuck about your sponsor, but they do. (laughs) So it's just that it's met with this kind of franticness from me because I feel like I have to make up the time. And you have to harness that franticness into something productive. Yes, and probably not tell executives to go fuck themselves. Look, I'm not going to tell you not to do that. (laughs) Whatever works. It hasn't worked so far in certain ways. (laughs) 
But there's so many more stories that I want to tell that have nothing to do with Scientology, you know. But I will continue to stay on Scientology because we, just so you know, Scientology will go through this interview. Mm-hmm. They will pick out the moments that I said that I was a liar or that, you know, they will they will edit it and they will put this on their website, edited in a way that looks like I'm saying that currently. So just because Scientology is listening, OSA is listening, you should know that regardless of what I do, regardless, if I get a movie, if I get a TV series, I will always be on you. So never think that I'm ever going to move on, ever, until you are shut down in the criminal activities that you do. They should know that because I don't give up and I won't give up. God bless you for that. Thank you. My last thing, this is the most important question to me, which, you know, you've outlined what you want to do and work moving forward. Your convictions are clear. Mm -hmm. There's no entity that is going to stop you from doing that. Mm -hmm. What I want to know as two strangers here, mm-hmm. do you think you will be able in your future to forgive yourself? I hope so. I hope so. Don't try to make me cry again because I can feel it coming up. I'm also feeling a bit of a cramp. <laughs> I hope so, honey. I mean, and that goes for people who are listening who maybe were not in Scientology and done bad things or feel that they could have been better, right? I'm trying to find my way. I'm trying to find, I'm doing the work. It's not like I'm sitting around not trying to not forgive myself. I'm in therapy. I read books. I listen to podcasts. I'm doing the work to try to And by the way, it doesn't stop me from moving forward. You know, these are not feelings that have stopped me from trying to be a better mother. I don't need a therapist to try to help me. You know, I try every day to be a better daughter. I'm trying now, today, no matter how old I am, to be a better aunt to my niece and nephew. And it's by these little things that I do every day that make me feel like, okay, I'm taking a step towards being not a Scientologist not even being an ex-Scientologist, but just being who Leah is (laughs) and the Leah that I want to be to the people that I love. Well, I'm excited to see that person. I'm sure they are too, because they haven't seen her. I'm kidding. (laughs) Thank you. You're supposed to say, you're great now, Leah. You're great now, and you're going to continue to evolve (laughs) and bless you for all that you do. Leah Remini. Thank you, sweetheart. I thank you very, very much for coming on. Thank you for having me. And that's our show. Special thanks today to Valerie Haney and Natalia Salzetti. I'd also like to thank the wonderful Leah Remini. Her new podcast, Scientology Fair Game, is available wherever you are listening to this podcast. To learn more about her show and ours, visit our site at www.talkeasypod.com. If you're new to the show, I'd encourage you to check out some recent episodes with folks like Elizabeth Gilbert, Jenny Slate, Malcolm Gladwell, Run the Jewels, 
Hasan Minaj, and many, many more. You can find this show, Talk Easy, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you do your listening. If you'd like to join our ever-growing mailing list, you can drop me a line at talkeasypod at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TalkEasyPod. Today's special bonus episode is made possible by our incredible team, executive producer Janixa Bravo, associate producer Nikki Spina, our lead editor is Andre Lin, our assistant editors are Eli Weiss, David Harding, and Rena Zhang. Our music is by Dylan Peck. Our interns are Kiran Aftab and Patrice Lee. Illustrations by Krishna Shenoy. Graphics by Ian Jones. And the show is produced by Caroline Reebok. I'm Sam Fragoso. Thank you for listening to Talk Easy. I'll see you back here on Sunday with Titus Burgess. Until then, stay safe, everyone. So long. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored amongst some of the most influential leaders in industry. And me, I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.